everyone. I'm CJ, and today's episode of Rethinking Youth Ministry is a little bit different and a little bit special because this is actually our last episode of 2019. And to close out the year, we thought it'd be neat to pause, reflect on the year, and share some stories from the 2019 year in youth ministry, our stories and some of your stories as well, stories that remind us why we do what we do for the next generation week in and week out. So stories are powerful, stories can be encouraging and inspiring, and we believe around here that stories need to be told. So we hope that you enjoy this week's special episode full of stories, and we hope that at the end of this episode, you'll consider sharing your story from 2019 as well. And the best place to share that would be in our Facebook group. Just search Orange Students on Facebook. We'll have a thread of stories happening there. For now, though, I'm actually going to kick things off with a lighthearted story of my own, and it's actually from our fall camp at the end of October. So I'm a small group leader, and we had a fall camp, and uh, we were actually, it was late night after one of the sessions, you know, you've got all the sessions happening, and uh, we were sitting in small group, and one of the verses that was used during the message uh, used the phrase sexual immorality. And I always like to kind of break some of the scripture down with the guys, you know, make sure that we all understand things. And so we came to that phrase, sexual immorality. And I was like, so what, do you guys know what that phrase means? Do you know what that, uh, what that's talking about when it says sexual immorality? And one of my guys says, yes, I know what that means. It means you're a virgin all the way to heaven. You're a virgin on earth and in heaven, sexual immortality. And I was like, close, uh, not quite. So it's actually, it's not sexual immortality, it's sexual immorality. And uh, it's a little bit different. And I share this lighthearted story because that moment at camp really did remind me why I do what I do. It reminded me why we show up as small group leaders to create these safe places for students to process out loud and talk about the things that they think they understand, but they maybe don't. Uh, That there's so much more that needs to happen uh, for as a student is learning and growing in their faith beyond just the stage. They have to, they need those moments to be vulnerable and open up. And that was a very lighthearted, but very real moment that reminded me of that, that, hey, sexual immorality and sexual immortality are two different things, or maybe the second one's not a thing at all. Uh, and we got to clarify that. All right, so that was my story. We have a handful of other stories we want to share as well. Uh, stories from the Orange Students team and stories from you, friends of the podcast and friends of Orange Students. So let's listen in. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Brett. I am an Orange Student Specialist here at Orange, but as some of you know, I am also a middle school small group leader. I started with a group of boys who are now in eighth grade a couple years ago when they were in sixth grade. And one thing that happened in my 2019 ministry year that kind of reminded me why I do what I do has to do with partnering with parents. And I know partnering with parents can get really frustrating a lot of times because we reach out and we reach out and we reach out and we don't really get as much interaction and engagement back um, as we would hope to so often. But what I was reminded of is that it's so important that we keep staying consistent and persistent in the way that we're reaching out because at some point, 
at least with some of our students, crisis is gonna happen. And that's often when parents are trying to reach back out to somebody that they know that they can trust that cares about their kids. So for me specifically, uh, I had a student in my small group who has been around from the beginning. And so I know their parents, I reach out to their parents pretty regularly, uh, don't really get a lot of engagement back. But apparently this whole year, the first semester of their eighth grade year, they've been getting bullied a lot uh, and their parents didn't even have any idea. And eventually this kid snapped and fought back against the bully and got suspended for a couple of days and the parents were kind of freaking out. And I got uh, a phone call from the mom and we've had a couple of great conversations um, since then. And it's just that reminder that so often parents aren't going to reach out until they feel like they have something that they need to reach out about. But at some point, that's probably going to happen in middle school and high school. So I was reminded that the emails, the text messages, the group me messages, the the com, you know, the conversation, quick conversations, you know, after church, before church, those things even though I don't feel like they were engaging as much as I want them to, they matter because it built that trust that they had in me to be able to reach out to me in a time of crisis. So keep doing what you're doing, stay strong. It's going to matter even if it feels like it doesn't right now. Have a merry Christmas and a happy new year. Hey friends, this is Ashley Bohentz, Director of Middle School Strategy here at Orange. I'd love to share a story about a camp I spoke at this summer in Indiana. Because I have a heart for Ethiopia, I naturally shared about it when I was teaching one night at camp. And the next day, when I was walking through camp, one of the middle schoolers stopped me and excitedly said to me, hey, you're the lady who teaches us on the stage. I wanted to tell you I'm from Ethiopia. I was adopted when I was seven. She was adorable. And I responded with, wow, that's awesome. I love your birth country so much. It's so stunning. What's your name? She said, Malette, with no Ethiopian accent. You see, I've learned the language enough to know the emphasis that's supposed to be on certain letters of her name. It was actually a very common Ethiopian name, but I also noticed she said it in the way Americans say it, not the way Ethiopians say it. So I responded, Mahalet, that's beautiful. I love that name. What does that mean again? I asked this because it's a huge thing in her culture to know the meaning of your name. When you meet someone in Ethiopia, the conversation typically goes like this. My name is Beza. It means redemption. My name is Alam. It means the world. My name is Medahanit. It means medicine. Her response to the way I said her name was wide eyes and confusion, and her response to my question was just shock. She started stumbling over her words as if she knew the answer, but she couldn't find the words to say it. She was like, um, uh, I think it means like daughter of God or something like that. I don't know. I realized in that moment that she was trying to recall a memory from seven years ago because she hadn't really thought about it in a while. The meaning of her name is actually a chant or praise to God. In an effort to help her get through that exchange, I just said, wow, that's so beautiful, Mahalat. It was so awesome to meet you. Thanks for coming and introducing yourself. The next day, I got to teach again. I was teaching about the bigness of God's love and how he loves each and every one of us just as we are. In the talk, I took a moment to mention the names of all the students I had met thus far at camp in context of what I was saying. Brady, he loves you. Olivia, he loves you. Chandler, he loves you. Mahalet, he loves you. Christopher, he loves you. Riley, he loves you. When I finished speaking, Mahalet ran up to me confidently, looked straight into my eyes and said, you're the only one who knows how to say my name the right way. I wanted to curl up in a ball and cry my eyes out. 
Never in a million years did I expect God to use my ministry in Ethiopia to help a seventh grade girl named Mahalet feel known and seen in Indiana because I knew how to say her name correctly. I knew where she was from and I knew that her name had a meaning. It was a really good reminder of why what I do as a youth leader matters so much and why what you do as youth leaders matters so much. Merry Christmas. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Murphy. I live in Eden, North Carolina. I work at Osborne Baptist Church. I have been here for almost 10 years serving as the middle school pastor, and I love the middle school phase more than ever. Shout out to XP3 Middle School for all y'all do to make my job so much easier. Anyways, so I was reminded of the importance of what we do this year through so many different ways. One of the ways was, I don't know about you, I always will believe this lie that what we're doing doesn't really make a difference. I'll get off the stage on Sunday or I'll go home and start to evaluate everything that happened on a Sunday after service and just think today was a wash. It might as well not have even happened because I don't know how your middle schoolers are. Mine are not typically lined up on the stage waiting to tell me how great of a job I did or to thank me for my time of studying. They're not typically lined up in the parking lot before they go home from a camp or retreat to thank me for the sacrifice, the time, the energy, the effort. And the truth is, I really don't need those things a whole lot, but there is some times where I will believe this lie that what I'm doing actually isn't making a difference. So this year was actually really cool. More than ever, we have students who grew up in our middle school program who are now coming back to serve as small group leaders. And we sit down with everyone who's interested in being a small group leader, and we always ask them a lot of different questions. And one of the things that we ask them is, why do you want to work with middle schoolers? And to be able to sit down with these former students and now hear them say, I want to be for a middle schooler what my small group leader was for me when I was their age is such a sweet thing. And it has reminded me that, wow, we really are making a difference. They really are being impacted on Sundays, even when we feel like they're not. And they really are listening to what we're saying to them. We actually got to do the first wedding of a former middle schooler this year who grew up in our ministry who came to know the Lord in our middle school ministry and is now wanting to serve full-time in the church as a pastor because of the difference that our program made in his life. And it's just through various conversations with now former students who are now saying, I want to be able to do and make the impact that this program made for us. And it's just been a real encouragement for me because there are a lot of Sundays where I feel like I didn't make a difference or that the program may as well not have even happened that Sunday. So hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. And I, my prayer is that sometime in the near future, that some way, somehow the Lord will remind you that you really are making a difference. They really are listening to you when you talk and you're making a bigger difference in these students' lives than you may feel like you do a lot of the times. 
Hey, my name is Jessica Galino, and I'm from a church in Southern California. And one story that reminds me why I do what I do from 2019 was about a girl in my life group. Um, she had been in my life group for two years, and I noticed when she came in my life group, she was super excited to be in the group with the other girls in her grade. And as the two years progressed, she started to pull away from the group emotionally, and I was a little confused about what was going on. So at the end of her two years in my small group, she asked me to get coffee. And so we got coffee together and we were just chatting and she opened up about a bunch of really hard things going on her in her life. It was really cool to have this opportunity to just pour into her and to be with her. But what was really cool is when we brought her back into our small group, the other girls in our group just surrounded her with love, accepted her for all of her things that were going on, this mess that was happening in her life, this really tough thing she was going through. The other girls just accepted her and brought her back into the group and brought her back into their lives and just poured so much love on her, poured so much compassion on her, um, and just showed her that she was not only loved by this group, but she was loved by Jesus and accepted by their by their Savior. And it's been really cool to see them go off to high school. They're now freshmen in high school, no longer in my personal small group, but so cool to see their friendships continue because of the small group setting we had together. So it was really cool to see this girl just progress these two years, um, going through a hard situation, but then coming back to Jesus and clinging to him. Hey, I'm Ashley Johnson, the managing editor at XP3 Middle School. And this year, 2019, has been a really full year for me. Um, I was mentoring one of my middle school girls for small group, and she does not share the same father as her older sister. And she was coming to terms with the fact that she's been treated a little differently. And so one day I just randomly picked her up over the weekend and I got her a card um, that said, you're never alone. And little did I know that about six months later, my own father would pass away from Parkinson's and little did I know at his service, these little hands coming up to me with a card reminding me that I wasn't alone. So it was just a really beautiful exchange from, from her to know that one thing I did for her, she was able to reciprocate back to me, and it was really unexpected and a really beautiful moment. That's my story of one thing that's happened to me that really reminds me of why we do what we do and how important it is. Hey, my name is Derek Artero. I am the students director at South Hills Church in Burbank, California. Uh, the story I want to share has to do with a group of boys in our ministry that we like to call the Skater Boys. Uh, so the Skater Boys started with this one kid named Isaac who started coming with his family to our church. And then he started coming on the Wednesday nights. He started by himself, but then he slowly started to invite more and more of his friends. And now Isaac and his friends are not known for good things. They actually have a pretty bad rep. Um, you know, they've been kicked out of places. They are skating everywhere all the time, places that they shouldn't skate, So, which is why they get kicked out. Always getting in trouble with their teachers, always getting blamed for things that they don't do, but just because they have that bad rep, they get blamed. Uh, and just a bunch of things that uh, make them feel like society almost doesn't want them. And so that's why they act the way that they do, because the way that the society and, you know, the adults in their lives have uh, treated them. And so every week they've been coming and we've tried our best to uh, make sure that they are uh, they know that they're welcome, because it was funny. Uh, Isaac and some of his friends will always come up to us and be like, why are you guys so nice to us? It was almost heartbreaking to see that they would um, 
they would ask us that. Like, why are you so nice to us? Because every other adult in their life besides their parents or maybe even their parents are not nice to them just because of how they look or how uh, they decide to act or the jokes that they make. They're honestly kind of funny. But every week they, they would come and come. And uh, one of the weeks we, uh, we actually decided to uh, bring them up all on stage on a Sunday and surprise them with a bunch of new skateboards. Um, and it was like awesome. They were so excited. They've never kind of like sh- been shown this kind of love and for no reason, just because we love them. And uh, one of the things that happened in our last series in the Worlds Collide, one of the, the, the kids named Tony, he, uh, he grew up Catholic. And one of the things that he, he mentioned during our small group time was, I always thought that God was mad at me because I was coming to this church. And so he always felt like he couldn't talk to God until we started to talk about how God loves him no matter what, that he's welcomed anywhere, that God's going to love him whether he goes to a Catholic church or if he goes to this church. And so, you know, the the impact we've been able to have on kids that, you know, society kind of just throws out of, of the way is, is it's been incredible to see them uh, and to like this these group of skater boys that started with just this one kid named Isaac has grown to 10 plus uh, way more that they're the biggest inviters of our ministry and we have about 80 kids every single week and they're inviting people constantly because they want others to feel what they felt they want the group of kids that you know have been kicked out to know that there's a place for them and it's because of what you guys do because of the curriculum that you make uh, that helps us to really uh, empower us and to give us the tools the resources to be able to to help these kids know that they are loved and that we actually like them and love them so thank you so much for all the hard work that you guys do My name is Candice, and I am a student specialist at Orange, and this entire year has been just an interesting one for me ministry-wise. Over the years being in ministry, I've served at a number of churches and have transitioned off staff entirely too many times, Uh, not because I just like church hopping, but it's all been due to life happening with and without my consent. But this year started off in another transition. I had been serving at the church for just under four years, and I was transitioning off staff to join Orange, and I was so excited. Um, But I started out at the church serving as the youth pastor, but then my role shifted to being the next generation pastor. So when I transitioned this time, it hit me in a different way than it had previously because of how excited I was about the future, but just torn about what that meant I had to leave. Um, Our next-gen staff, that team that we worked so hard to build was an absolutely amazing family. You know, our bond was so deep. The children, the youth, the families, you know, they, they always, always get my heart. And on my last Sunday, the church wanted to pray for me and my family, but I wanted that prayer to be done by one of our students, and I selected a particular student. His name um, is Aaron Guy. Aaron was a senior in high school, so he was gearing up for a transition himself. But our church had three services on Sundays, and they wanted to pray for me at each service, of course. So that meant that Aaron had to be at church all day just to pray for me. He arrived at church at 6.30 that morning, 
and stayed until about 2 p.m. just to pray. Now, that reminded me why I do what I do, because, you know, in, in ministry, you work so hard and give so much of yourself to other people. And it's really sometimes a thankless thing. And I don't know necessarily know how many students really appreciate the things and the sacrifices that are made, um, the times that you take them home, the times that you buy them, you know, lunch or dinner, you know, through the drive-through on your way home, wherever you're going. Um, but the many hours that you pour into planning something or coordinating volunteers or connecting with parents and the many school visits that you make just to connect with them or being at different extracurricular activities or sporting events or just times you just listen and then even the times you listen and take the things that they've shared with you home and just pray about and wrestle with yourself. Um, So Aaron being there all day, it showed him making a sacrifice for me in a way that I know that I had made sacrifices for him and it was really just special for me that he would do that. That's pretty much why it is that I do what I do. And I hope this is an encouragement to you too, because though you might not see it right now, I'm sure you have an Aaron in your ministry who's willing to do the same for you. Merry Christmas! My name is Katie Edwards, and I am a middle school pastor in California. And one of the moments that reminded me in 2019 why I do what I do um, was a moment I had with a student named Nicole. So Nicole sent me an email, which is weird for a middle schooler, but she sent me an email asking about summer camp, not for herself, but for her friend. So Nicole had a life-changing experience at summer camp in seventh grade. She accepted Christ and it completely changed her life. And the next year she wanted to invite her friend to be a part of that life-changing experience at camp, but her friend couldn't afford it. So she sent me an email asking for fundraising ideas, but also asking if the church was able to help. And I just love a couple things about this moment. Number one, I love Nicole's heart for her friends and her friend who doesn't know Jesus and wanting to invite her friend into something that was life-changing for her, but also that she would be willing to put her own money in the pot, raise money for her friend to go, and ask the church for help. It just was the coolest moment ever. And I think it reminded me of why I do what I do is because that's what discipleship is, is helping kids follow Jesus, helping them know Jesus and allowing Jesus to inform who they are. And this was a moment where Nicole was just like Jesus. Hey, youth leaders, this is Stuart Hall, director of student leadership and influencer with Orange Students and a sometimes guest on the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. And at the end of 2019, I would love to tell you a story, if I may. Once upon a time, there lived a pencil maker, not just any pencil maker, mind you, the absolute, unequivocally greatest pencil maker in the history of pencils. His attention to minute detail, legendary. His ability to take raw resource and create a beautiful, masterful tool, unparalleled. Each pencil was his own work of exquisite artistry. He simply made zero mistakes. Just before placing each perfectly completed pencil into a box, the master pencil maker had a habit of taking each pencil aside 
and telling them the very same thing. He would tell each pencil, there are five things you need to know before I send you out into the world to be the best you can be. First, you will be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to serve others. Second, you will need to experience some sharpening from time to time, but it'll always make you better. Third, you can always correct a mistake by changing it. Fourth, the most important part of you will always be what's inside. And last, on every surface you cover, you will leave your mark. Make sure it's a mark that makes everything you touch better. Each pencil understood, promised to remember, and went into the box with dreams of their life of adventure to come, the mark that they would make. But there was only one problem. The pencils the master pencil maker created never came out of the box. The most overlooked, underdeveloped, underchallenged student within the sphere of influence of our homes and our churches, our club and varsity sports teams, and our middle school and high schools is the student that really wants to do something significant with their lives, who wants to live for Jesus, who possesses an immeasurable capacity for influence. And lurking within the strain of reaching those teenagers that have not yet been reached and keeping those teenagers who teeter on the edge of poor choices and apathy is an influencer, a beautifully sharpened pencil confined to a box. Youth leader, may next year be the year where you decide for the sake of the next generation of leaders worth following, may you decide to destroy that box. Blessings to you. Hey, this is Dana Williams from Sugarland, Texas. I go to the bridge. I want to tell you a story about camp this summer. I counseled a group of ninth grade girls with my friend. She is also a mom of teenagers, just like me. And we were with this group of ninth grade girls and getting ready to go on the Zip 3000, which is a really, really big zip line, kind of scary. But we were getting our equipment and one of the girls stopped and looked at us and gave us a puzzled look and said, wait, you guys are going with us? And we're like, yeah. She went on to explain that they had never had a cabin leader actually do the activities with them. She was completely shocked that we would join in with them. And it reminded me that the way that discipleship works is not so much about us sitting and observing kids growing in their faith as it is about us jumping in and doing it together with them, leading together, serving together, ministering together, exploring together. That's what this is all about. That's the why. It's because that's the way that Jesus did it. Jesus went with his disciples and he did the things. He wouldn't be the one standing in the back of the room while the teens are praising God. He would be in the midst of the worship. <laughs> he'd throw on the harness and he'd go down the zip line with them. Doing all the things with the kids is an opportunity to model to them what our faith journey should be like. Hey guys, it's Mary Helen Higgs from Milledgeville, Georgia. I am the student pastor at Northridge Christian Church. This year at middle school camp, our theme was stressed out. And I don't know that I've ever encountered a theme that was so applicable to both the adults and the students in the room. 
By the end of the week, we had 17 children who decided to be baptized at camp. And it was just really powerful because on day one, as we know, we all go in and we're expecting smelly cabins and not to get sleep and we're ready for that part of camp. But sometimes we forget that camp is about what God is doing in the hearts of teenagers. And it was really powerful to be a part of the week that reminded kids that God wants us to just be children and to just be his children and to see kids who had parents in jail and to see kids who struggled with um, eating disorders and to see kids who struggle with anxiety and depression and who have family members struggling with those things. And for the first time, see the light go off in their eyeballs that taking everything to the Lord in prayer through thanksgiving and petition is what they were created to do because they aren't created to be little adults, even though sometimes our culture has made them grow up so quickly. And to be a part of that revelation in their lives reminded me absolutely why I do what I do. So that these kids can be kids and that myself was reminded that that's all I'm called to do as a child of God. I hope you guys had a great year rethinking youth ministry and that you found moments that remind you what you do as well. Hey there, it's Crystal. I'm the director of student strategy here at Orange, and I've spent most of this fall visiting different cities around the country and doing some ministry leader training through Orange Tour. And one of the things that really surprised me this year was just how many parents I met. And I just, every time I think about it, I can't help but think of this one dad who came up to me after a breakout and had tears in his eyes. And we began to talk about his teenage son. And his teenage son is uh, 15 and had walked away from faith last year and was really wrestling with whether or not he wants to come back. And hearing this dad's story and his heart for his son was such a moment for me and such a reminder of why we do what we do, why we create environments and systems for kids to be able to come back to church even when it feels like they can't. And seeing this dad moved by a group of church leaders who were willing to lean into that and welcome his kid back, man, that was an incredible moment. And meeting that dad really did remind me why I do what I do, and I hope it does the same for you. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Shefshunas, or Chef. And, you know, I've been at this student thing, either student ministry or education now for 20, I guess it's 25 years, and it's kind of crazy. But when I look back at all the kids and everything, you know, one of the things we talk about is kids never come back to thank you. But the strange thing is, like in the last 12 months, maybe 18, but it feels like this year, after 25 years of doing it and thousands of kids, you know, somehow or another, I've gotten these thank yous that are super interesting. So I'll share them just because (laughs) there's so many thank yous you're never going to hear, but I just feel like super blessed to get this. One was standing in a grocery line and I get a, are you Mr. Chef? You know, and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) trying to remember kids' names, those sorts of things. You guys have been there. But she goes, I just wrote an essay about the double displacement reaction lesson you taught years ago. And I'm like, I don't even remember what a double displacement reaction is, but she said, you know, I'm going to be a teacher, you know, because I loved... I just love the way you helped us understand, you know, a complicated issue. And again, I was a teacher before I got into ministry. And then I got a Facebook post um, from a kid who, you know, just wanted to thank me for believing in him and that he had had a rough year and he just needed another mail that said they saw something in him. And, you know, the interesting thing about that thank you was I couldn't tell you what 
I said, or there was not a moment for sure. It's just the little things. You know, I think every time we're in front of a kid, we should remind them why they're awesome and not assume that they know they are. So that's an example of maybe 15 years ago, you know, that this adult is reaching out to talk about something that was said his, you know, junior year in high school. And here he is getting married and with a good job and you never know just what's going to matter. Such a meaningful thing. Um, and I just love what I get to do. So if you're in ministry, you're in education, whatever, um, you may be 20 years out from the thank yous, but just remember, you know, it's not always these speeches or moments you're going to remember. It's often just in the middle time when you're talking to kids, encouraging kids, they're going to mean the most. So, um, Love you. Merry Christmas to you all, and we will see you next year. So those were some powerful and some insightful stories and reminders of why we do what we do as youth ministry leaders week in and week out. And as a reminder, we would actually really love to hear your stories from 2019 as well. And the best place to do that would be in our Facebook group. Just search Orange Students on Facebook or visit our show notes at rethinkingym.org for a link there. We also want to let you know that we'll be taking a few weeks off as we head into 2020. But don't worry, we'll be back in January with more new episodes. And our first episode is all about Gen Z 2020 trends. So be on the lookout for that. That is going to be a great conversation. But until then, until next year... From the Orange Students team, thanks for listening and Merry Christmas.